0: Mark chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. It's actually a donkey. They use the term colt as well, but it's a, it's a donkey. It says, Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord is in need of it, and will send it back immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. In other words, his disciples were stealing a donkey. I just want you to see that. There was a criminal act in the last days of Jesus' life. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. That's when you know, like, your Savior's a boss, because they just said, like, Jesus needs it. And they're like, okay, you do you, you do you. As we look at Jesus' triumphant entry this Palm Sunday and what it really means for our lives, would you just pray with me one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. We thank you that it's powerful and it has the ability to cut deep into our our hearts and to our lives. And as it does, as it works on us, that it brings forth great things. So I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would experience continually your presence and your grace as we read your word in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. How many of you have been lost before in, in one way or another? We can, we can like, do the metaphorical thing and be like, brother, I've been lost a lot in life, right? Some of us have been there. But how many of you just like, legitimately have like, been lost before? Like, I have no idea where I'm at right now. I took a wrong turn, and I'm just lost, right? You end up in Sandy, and it's all crazy, and you're for your life, right? Because <laughs> we hard up in Sandy. Um <laughs> I remember out being out in the forest, I, I love the woods, and uh, I've taken up fly fishing. Uh, I don't know why, because um, it's another lesson in futility, but it's fun all the same. And so I went out to the woods one weekend uh, with, uh, with my father-in-law and my brother and my best friend, and stayed up in the mountains, and um, I decided that I was going to go for a little bit of a walkabout uh, out into the forest that I've never walked into before. Um, this, the, this whole kind of like idea that once you get out in the forest as a man, you own the place. Um, and guys, you know what I'm talking about. And you think that you're invincible, okay? It's not true. But all the same, we still do it. Um, so I wander out in the woods, I take off, and I'm gone for multiple hours at this point because I had gotten off course and I'd gotten lost. I don't know if you've ever been lost in the woods before. It's different than being lost in Sandy, okay? I don't fear for my life in Sandy. I fear for my life in the woods, okay? So I'm out out and about in these, in these woods looking for this lake that I had studied one time on Google Maps. And I thought, oh, I got it. It's in my head. I know where to go. It was just do east <laughs> and so I took off due east and then you get into the woods and you no longer know where east and west and north and south is and so I'm going through the woods I'm traversing and I find myself up on a, up on the edge of this area and I see the lake and it's miles away and I'm like no nah, I'm not going to go for it now this is crazy I don't think I can scale that and go down that so I turn around to backtrack and I get lost I mean horribly lost, fear for my life lost. Now, I'm a guy who thinks in shapes and colors. I'm not analytical very much, all right? And uh, so I, every, every minute that I'm engaged in, in, in some sort of moment, all of a sudden my imagination starts going. And I literally thought, like, my life was going to turn into the revenant, Okay. I'm in the middle of the woods and, I, and I'm lost and I can't find my way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my wife is gonna kill me, but she can't kill me if I'm already dead, so ha, right? And so I start panicking, I start freaking out, and, and, and all of a sudden I hear this wrestling in the woods and I take off running. Got no shame to tell you that. Fear, I went white like I could feel it going up my spine and I was like, bear! And I just ran. It wasn't a bear, it was a squirrel. But I was running all the same. And then all of a sudden, I stopped in the middle of the woods to realize I am insanely lost right now. I'm not just like lost. I'm lost, lost. And you know, when you double up on the word, you're in bad shape, <laughs> right? And so I, I, I didn't know what to do. And I start panicking. I start freaking out. Like I'm in the middle and I'm spinning. And I felt like it was in the movie when you look up and everything's spinning, right? And it's just like, oh, and then I stopped and I realized maybe if I listen, this will help me. And I listened as quietly, and I hear this whoosh, whoosh. I was like, that's the road. So I took off running to the whoosh. I kept on running, I kept on running. And literally, I found myself at the edge of the road. I came out of the woods and found myself at the edge of the road. And there's a car coming down the road, and I hopped out into the middle of the road like I was in a movie because I needed to play the whole thing out at this point. (laughs) Waving him down. And he pulls over, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, (sighs) I've been lost. <laughs> it's like, which direction did you come from? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, there's a state park up that way. And I'm like, oh, okay. But have you, ever, have you ever veered off course just a little bit and 10 minutes into it, you realize since you veered off course, you got lost, lost. I mean, like deadly lost. And that's what happened to me. I veered off a little bit off course and I found myself lost. Lost. The course is important, isn't it? Making sure you know the course, making sure that you stay on the course. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning because this moment in Jesus' life is all about staying the course. And if you don't hear anything else out of this message this morning, I want, to, I want to remind you of one thing, I want to encourage you with one thing. I'm going to shout about one thing this morning, and that's simply this stay the course. Stay the course, because it's important that we stay the course. Thank God that Jesus stayed the course, that he didn't give up, he didn't give in, he didn't veer off, that that he stayed the course. We've all done it at one point or another. I'd venture to say that there will be many more opportunities to veer off course in our life. Why? Because staying on course is more difficult than it seems at times, doesn't it? Sometimes staying the course is very frustrating. There's a lot of time involved in it. But I want to encourage you, when you're tempted to veer off course, when you're feeling like you're being pushed off course, stay the course. Don't give up. Don't give in. As we observed Palm Sunday this morning, there is one significant amount of truth that we can learn about staying the course that Jesus shows us that really applies to every area of our lives where we may be tempted to veer off course. And it's this, this is my one point this morning, I'm gonna spend the rest of the time that we have on this one point. This is what I want you to understand this morning, the one truth, stay the course, even when it doesn't look like we think it should. Come on, did you hear that this morning church? Don't get quiet on me, stay the course, even if it doesn't look like we think it should. See, there's a lot of great theology in this piece of scripture. There's a lot of great understanding in this piece of scripture. We know that Jesus riding into town on a donkey actually fulfilled prophecy. It's in Zechariah 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 9. We know that, and that's awesome. Like, it's amazing stuff to know that Jesus's life was the literal fulfillment of prophecy that happened years and years and years previously. But there's also a very practical aspect to this, and that is stay the course even when it doesn't look like we think it should. Because that's when you want to hop off course, isn't it? That's when you want to veer is when the course doesn't look the way that it should. That's what got me scared in the woods is all of a sudden I didn't see where I came. I don't recognize this. I didn't know that. I didn't see this. And then you want to veer some more. Well, I'm not going the right way and i want to veer some more. And it doesn't look like the way that it should. And we start getting all kinds of lost lost. Stay the course even when it doesn't look like we think it should. Matthew chapter 11. Verses 1 to 2. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a donkey tied there, a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. Jesus the Savior, hear this. The King, the Creator, came riding into his destiny on a donkey. I would argue that that was probably not the best looking ride. Let's put it in modern day vernacular. You show up, a car sales and you get, hey guys, I'm in, I'm in the market for a new car. And this is what I was thinking. Can I please get a just rusted out, beat up Pinto? (laughs) I want a Pinto. Like I can, I can afford a Ferrari, but I want a Pinto. I want to, I want to ride around this hood in my Pinto. I want to stroll up as a single dude to church looking for that girl in my Pinto. Singles, don't do that. Uh, just don't do that. I won't go well for you. No one wants a pinto. No one wants the beat-up pinto ride. But Jesus, the king, the savior, came riding into his destiny on a donkey. How many of you would agree that the course didn't look like it should have looked? It's very unbecoming of a king. The royal procession of rulers of the day didn't include donkeys. Rather, very much the opposite. The procession would be vast and over the top. It would be loud and spectacular. One that you could not ignore or would you allowed, be allowed to ignore. The rulers of the day, when they came riding in, they would ride in with their chests held high on the greatest of horses, with the greatest of, of people behind them, and the chariots, and weapons, and army, and the whole nine yards. Jesus came riding in to the moments of the cross on a donkey. Which tells me one other significant thing. That Jesus is capable of using us no matter what we look like in life. Jesus rode into his destiny on a donkey, Man, the course. Stay the course even if it doesn't look like we think it should. He's our humble savior. However, it's interesting to me that we have a tendency to operate very much the opposite than what Jesus modeled for us. It's amazing how often we veer from the course because the course does not look like we think it should. We think we're deserving of more than a donkey. So we veer off course because the course has adversity in it. Because the course takes time. Because the course is lonely. Because the course is unnoticed. Come on, somebody. Stay the course, even if it doesn't look like we think it should. So Jesus, Palm Sunday, shows us that we need to stay the course, even if it doesn't look like we think it should. And can I encourage you this morning? Your course isn't going to look nice all the time. It's not going to look pretty all the time. It's not going to be this wonderful thing all the time. But stay the course. Some of you have been fighting for months and years. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't veer to the right. Don't veer to the left. Stay the course. And that's what Palm Sunday is teaching us. This is one other piece of scripture that I want to dive us into to kind of highlight this point even more. It's found in Acts 27. Verses three through 44, and for the sake of time, I'm gonna read all of it. Because we like our Bibles here. We're gonna walk through this as quickly as possible. But I want you to see the very practical measure of staying the course that we see in Paul the Apostle's life. He understood this coming now into, into his ministry on the backside of Jesus, Jesus has died, he has uh, resurrected, he has ascended, and now we have Paul the apostle, and he would have seen what Jesus has done. He would have understood what it meant to say the course, and now Paul gets to play it out in real time. I want you to, if you can with me, put yourself in this story, okay? As we read, Acts 27 through, through 44. The next day, we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Sicilia, Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lyca. There, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly. Come on, we shout slowly. Come on, return your neighbor and say, it got slow. Yeah. <laughs> for a number of days, and we arrived with difficulty to send us. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off of Salmon, how often do we veer off course because the winds of adversity are against us? In other words, the Bible's saying, we got there and it was hard. Come on, have you ever thought that before? This is hard. You ever been there before in life? This is, this is hard. Why is this so hard? Why does it have to be? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why does it have to be so hard? My son asked me that the other day. He's seven. Dad, why is this so hard? I'm like, I don't know, bro. It's just life. <laughs> There's wisdom from a father. (laughs) Right? Verse 8, coasting along with difficulty, we came to a place called Fairhavens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, watch what Paul says, saying, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Right? He's the Eeyore in the group right now. He's like, boys, don't do this. You're gonna die. The ship's gonna be busted up. I got Jesus on my side, but I don't know about you, right? Paul let them know that the course was going to be dangerous and, and not without trial. But can I tell you this morning that our course in life is always dangerous and including of trial? I know, welcome to Encouraging Church. But it goes on. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. See, Paul perceived, in other words, God was speaking to him about what was going to happen. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. You ever been there before? Have you ever allowed your ears to veer off course and listen to every other voice besides the one of God's in your life? Paul said, "Hey guys, but the voice of greed, the ship's owner and and the centurion, hey, hey guys, we got we, we got, to make, we got a time, we got to get there, we got to make this thing happen. Come on, have you ever listened to other voices besides God in your life? Verse 12, and because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided, the majority decided, <laughs> I love that, to put out to sea from there. You ever felt like the minority before with your faith? Trusting with Jesus with your course? That somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon as a tempestuous wind, a big wind called the nor'easter, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. In other words, things just got out of control. Come on, have you ever been in life before? Have you ever been in a moment in life before where it just got out of control? And you feel like everything's spinning and it's not working and you can't grab your hands around it. They said that they gave way to the wind. They just let it take them. I think we've all been there at one moment or another. And then it just gets squirrely from there. Verse 16, running under the lee of a small island called Hodia, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. Are you guys putting yourself in the story? Come on, if you need to close your eyes, go for it. Like This is choose your own adventure, okay? After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Cirrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. I love that. They just start throwing stuff overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. (laughs) I love this. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was lasting abandoned. Have you ever been there before? The place where your course seems to take you looks like a dead end. Come on, has your course ever brought you to some place where you thought, man, this is impossible. It's game over. Click it out. I'm done. That's where these guys were at. They were on the verge of just being done. All hope of our being saved was last abandoned. Come on, you ever stepped foot into church before and you're like, I don't even know if God can take care of this. (laughs) Verse 21, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them. Men, you should have listened to me and had not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. He was the told you, I told you so, guys. You should have listened to me all along. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the Lord whom I belong, or, or, excuse me, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Have you ever had that person in your life before who says, You tell them their problem and they're like, Well, God is good. And then you want to punch him? (laughs) It's okay. I understand the violence. (laughs) Have you ever been there before? You're telling somebody your problem and they're like, well, brother, God is good. And you're like, you're going to see good in about three, two, one. (poof) I've been there before. And you really are legitimately going, no, he's not. I want to give up. I don't wanna do this anymore. And I love how Paul like encapsulates all this. He's like, guys, God is for us. He's going before us. Look, I've got a destiny, so I don't know about the rest of you fools, but I gotta be somewhere, so God's gonna get me there, and by proxy, you're gonna make it with me. So we are good, but I gotta let you know something. The boat's still gonna crash. <laughs> Can I tell you on the course, God will always intervene with his presence and his grace? Probably from the least likely person. Come on, have you ever been convicted, parents, by your child? This happened in the car the other day. I said something. I won't repeat what I said. And Shiloh goes, Daddy, we don't say that. And I said, who told you that? She's like, Jesus. What are they teaching you in kids' ministry? Gosh. See, on the course and we wanna veer, he'll always show up with his presence and his grace. Where well, the course may not look like it should, God can always redeem it. The course may not look the greatest, it may be challenging and frustrating, but there's purpose to the journey, there's purpose to the course and the details of that course will always develop your faith. Verse 27. When the 14th night had come and we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms a little farther. And they took a sounding again, 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Right? You do everything that you can do and then you just pray. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, I love this part because this is just funny to me, and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. You let those guys go, you're going to die, fool. That's what he says. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let go. I want you to see this this morning. On your journey, on your course, there will always be a moment where you will do everything to give up. They're cutting the boats. They're done. I'm out of here. Guys, just call it. We're going to escape no matter what. There will always be a moment on our course where you want to cut the ropes. Be done with it. Verse 39, while when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. You ever been in that moment before where you know this is going to be bad, so you just try to make bad better? Like if I do it like this and I say this and I make this happen, then maybe... That's what they're starting to do. They're starting to say, okay, "If we're going to wreck this ship, how's the best way we can wreck this ship?" So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time, loosing the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow, struck, excuse me, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. Least any should swim away and escape, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And the rest, listen to this, this is what I want you to hear from uh, this morning out of this, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. I was at a conference about four months ago or so, and a pastor by the name of Herbert Cooper got up and he preached out of this same piece of scripture and he got to this end part and he said something that has forever challenged me and shaken me to the core as he read this. And the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so that it was that all were brought safely to land. The journey, listen, ended in a shipwreck. And for most of us, this is where we would call it a failure, right? Like think about this, if you're supposed to get someplace and your ship wrecks all over the place. And you're not even there yet. How many of you know I failed? I didn't get to where I was supposed to go. It doesn't look like it's supposed to look. I'm not supposed to show up on a, on a broken ship. I'm supposed to show up with all these people that are with me. And for, for many of us, we would look at this moment and we would call it failure. The moment things that break apart and everything seemed to be torn into pieces, we would call it over. And this is what this pastor said. He said, here's the point. If we were meant to get there with the ship intact, we would have got there with the ship intact. But the truth is, God will get us there on broken pieces. He will get us there on broken pieces. Church, can I tell you this morning? Stay the course, even when it doesn't look like we think it should. See, not many of us right now are rushing home to say, God, get me there on broken pieces. No, we want the ship intact, don't we? As we walk out this journey of life, we want it, we want it all together. Man, I don't know how many times I've prayed that, sitting in my office. God, I, I, I need this thing to look like this, 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 and this. And then I go to a conference, and a pastor says, you're going to get there on broken pieces. Our journey doesn't have to look perfect. For Jesus, it was a donkey and a cross. Think about that. The two most obscene images for a king to be associated with, a donkey and a cross. And the enemy thought he won. He thought he won he thought he had Jesus in a corner riding on a donkey look these people aren't gonna follow you now you're showing up on a donkey man and there's no way they're gonna follow you when they put you on a cross and they spit on you and they beat you and they tear you apart and they drive nails through your, through your wrists and your feet. I and mean, they ain't gonna fall. And the enemy thought he had won. But can I tell you that when the course doesn't look like we think it should look, Jesus still shows up and does what he's gonna do because it doesn't matter what the course looked like, because he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he who's faithful to begin it will complete it. And some of us right now, this morning, we are on a course that we think is over. We wanna give up. And can I say, stay the course. Stay the course. Come on, can I shout as loud as I possibly can? Don't give up, don't give in, keep fighting. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Stay the course. Come on, marriages, this morning, as you may be fighting and and you're frustrated with each other and you wanna throw in the towel, stay the course. Come on, parents of teens, yeah, stay the course. Stay the course. Some of you right now are tempted to veer off course. Jason, you, don't, you don't know what these last few years have been, I've been fighting, I'm tired of fighting. Can I tell you to stay the course? Because the ship that you may ride in on may just be broken pieces, but you still got to the end. Stay the course. What did Paul say at the beginning? Hey guys, we're gonna make this. I'm just gonna let you know now, the ship's gonna, it's gonna be all broken up. But if we stay the course, we'll get there. Stay the course. Even if it doesn't look like we think it should, why? Why then? If you're like me, I need to have a why behind it, right? Because you're like, oh, that's good, stay the course. Why? I'll tell you why. Let's go to Matthew, same piece of scripture. This is Matthew's angle. Matthew's version of this moment. Talks about drawing near to Jerusalem, going in, stealing a donkey, illegal activity, moving on. Verse six, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. This is Matthew 21 verses one through 11. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, this is why we stay the course even when it doesn't look like we think it should. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. See, as Jesus stayed the course for His life, the city was stirred and wanted to know who He was. And the point of our course as we stayed is to bring glory and praise to Jesus in our lives. And I pray that every single one of us can stay the course because listen, the course isn't ultimately about you. The course is ultimately about the world around you. The course is about your family and your friends and your neighbors and the city that you live in and the places that you're going to go. The course was never meant to be about us. The course is always meant to be about the world that Christ died for. And so he says this morning to all of us, come on church, stay the course, don't let anything get in your way, stay the course, don't let anything push you back, stay the course stay the course one point that we should never forget stay the course even when it doesn't look like we think it should what does your course look like this morning Of course is he asking you to stay? My prayer is this, that he would give you the strength and the power to stay the course. And as we stay the course, lives are changed. Freedom is found. Liberty is proclaimed. And Jesus is lifted high in the world around us.